in getting ready for this episode, I noticed that like in the, especially in the last couple months that my favorite episodes have been the ones that where I am like most out of my depth, like as a musician, like the ones with music that are more music focused, I can like hear my ego creeping in because totally. I'm qualified to speak yeah. on it. Yeah. You know, so par part of me would be like afraid actually to host a podcast where I'm like actually qualified uh -huh. to like speak on every episode. Mm -hmm. But like the past few ones I've like, you know, had like military people, psychologists, stuff like I know nothing about. And then like now the one thing that I definitely know nothing about <laughs> women and what the fuck you guys are thinking feeling all that but like yeah. no nah, it's just i don't know i'm just excited to just like just pick your brain and and see like the process in which you've you know not only started your podcast but then like i just respect that you're like actually out there in real life like mm -hmm. gathering women in these safe spaces to talk about such personal things but man I am sure you can do so much better than me. Oh, you're and doing amazing. I love yeah. doing this. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in introducing yourself. But yeah, if you'd like to, please go ahead. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, my name is Amy Batuski. I am an intimacy coach. And well, I mean, in the like formal title, I call myself an intimacy coach and pleasure <laughs> expert. But using the word expert, I am an expert at what I do. But even just using the word expert is so funny. And my business partner, Ellie, and I talk about this because we're like, we are just living and practicing and trying to figure it out, you know, just like everybody else. And I've studied a lot in my field and, and what I do and what I practice and preach, but like I am just in the trenches with everybody else trying to figure this out in intimacy and relationships and sex and all the things. But that is what I focus on. That's what I teach and coach. And then I run a company called Desire on Fire. And it's a international women's community all focused on relationships and sex and intimacy and sisterhood and all the juicy topics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, and I mean, I think in I've met people like yourself that in similar positions where like you are obviously you're, you're and like you said that word expert like you're this expert to talk about something I actually love that the first thing that you say is that like you are also on this journey just because in that in your position I can imagine that there can be pressure to feel like you have to be this leading example mm -hmm. and the not only is it good, like in terms of just, you know, making the people around you more comfortable and hearing you say that you're, that you don't have all the answers, but it's also just true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're all just trying to figure it out. Yeah. We are. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think the more that we can be real about that, the easier it is to relate and connect. Yeah. Otherwise we put people on pedestals and think that other people are beyond us or better than us. And, and I don't think that helps, especially, I mean, I think in a leadership role, it's a fine line, right? Because you do have to have some sort of authority in order to be able to lead or, or be taken seriously leading, right? In a way, you have to like show that you got know something yeah. <laughs> in order to be followed, right? But I think to not be put on a pedestal and like idealized or what's the word? Idolized. Like I don't want to be idolized. I'm just like I'm another human being and I'm figuring this out with you, yeah. I think it's important to, to let people in on the real process and my humanity. Yeah. With a lot of, you know, whether influencers or motivational speakers, I think in that sector, there could always be more vulnerability. And, and even just listening to your podcast, I think you do such a good job and just like just being honest about that, you know? So, whew. 
Dude, <laughs> where to begin? Yeah, man. So I'm so curious what you want to know. Yeah, I'm so curious what we what we get to dive into. Today. Yeah, no. To so discover together. It's cool because I, in seeing what you do and going through like some of the events you've done and just your conversation on the podcast, mm-hmm. I realized that. I mean, I've always had my own like theories and shit, like you know, with dating women and, and all that. But like you said stuff that where it's like, okay, there's truly things that like you cannot understand unless you are like in those shoes. Like no matter how like willing you are to learn or understand, you just kind of have to sit there and listen to this person talk about something that you just don't know anything about. Mm. And, but then I also realized like, man, you know, something has, I mean, the history of it all is is its own topic, but like, I think the fact that so many women share this bond of like not knowing, not having like a me first mentality where I mean, where I me and not, I don't mean that in a selfish way, but more so that like prioritizing yourself. Yeah, because <laughs> the best thing you can give is like when you are it's when you're in a position that you actually want to be in like that that's when your best self is provided anyway so it's like serving i've just been so interested by this process of like serving you Mm -hmm. in order to then actually like serve others on a greater level so i guess you know in terms of where to start like so from my perspective you know i like a lot of what you said made me think about my memories of like what it was like growing up as a guy and like having my guy friends, having my girlfriends and just seeing like, just like remembering some of the stuff that like we, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad, but like the things that like, you know, remember as a teenager that you would get self-conscious about, yeah. especially when like you're feeling things for whatever your very first time. Yeah. And I just realized, I was like, man, like that's gotta be, of course, I mean, it all starts when you're born, but like some of those significant early experiences, you know, I realized like, man, like as a man, that pressure early on is mm. way less than from like what I hear, like women's like very first sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. And I guess where I would start with you is like, when did you realize that you really wanted to like be an intimacy coach expert and and like what was there anything like coming just from your experiences like as a younger woman and just like life in general that led to that endless amounts yes where to begin well so i was very sexual as a kid and i wrote a post about this recently it's actually funny because it's so interesting how much people don't want to touch this topic like people are just afraid of talking about sex and intimacy you know it's just an uncomfortable thing And I literally, I post, when I post things, I post it on Instagram and Facebook and I'm not kidding you. No one engaged with this post on Facebook. I'm not kidding. I've never had that. Never. But that's how much like, that's how much people are like, I think eventually like one person liked it, but I was like, wow, this is so fascinating. Instagram, there was lots of conversation, but I was like, wow, this is so interesting. And it was a post about me being sexual when I was a kid, not hypersexual. I was just a kid that was wanting to explore bodies and like 
what is this thing that we have? And oh, this feels good. And oh my God, I learned, I taught myself how to have an orgasm. Then I was teaching my friends how to give themselves orgasms. I'm like, you know that you can just like rub up against things and you can like feel really good. I literally just taught my friends that. I've literally been a sex educator since I was a kid, not knowing. And I was raised in a very sex positive home, like very healthy relationships, communication. My parents really valued giving us educational sex talks, like really like healthily bringing in sex as a conversation when I was a kid. So I was very sexually free as a kid, exploring, playing, kissing, like making out with my little boyfriends in middle school or whatever. And then I started to shut down. And that just naturally came from being in this culture. And you know, noticing like, oh, sex doesn't seem to be talked about. This seems shameful. This seems secretive, right? Anything that we notice is secretive, we become ashamed of. Because we're like, why is no one talking about this? You know, money, sex, other things, right? So I just kind of started shutting down. And then I became kind of afraid of sex. Like I was like, okay, I want to like do it right and be good at it and like be sexy and like, oh, I'm supposed to look a certain way and I'm supposed to – in order to be attractive. And I started like just picking up cues from society, media, all the things. And then started to shut down. But the shutting down you're describing, did that – was there like an experience where you were like shamed or something? It just happened naturally? It wasn't overt. It's interesting because it was very subtle. It was like I was in high school and I would like hear my friend, like friends that like started having sex talking about it and like nothing about me. I would just like, I would hear it and I'd be like, oh my God, like, I don't know what I'm doing. They know what they're doing. They're so like mature. Like they like, and I started getting self-conscious. Like I needed to like do it right. And like, then I heard everyone starting to talk about sex and it was like this big deal. Right. And then in college, I would listen to my guy friends talk about women not a good thing to do. And, you know, and bless them. They're amazing men, but like they were fucking college students and they were in a frat and like they were, uh, you know, victim to the culture they were in too. Like we're all, you know, part of a, we're in our own culture. And then it's like, okay, we're, we, that informs how we act and think. Right. And so they would say things and I would then internalize it. Like they'd be talking about women's bodies and what was sexy and like, oh, perky breasts with small nipples and skinny waist and big – and I'm like, I don't have all of those things. And then I would be self-conscious and then not want to be naked and then not want to like let men see me. And so it's like all these small things, right, that weren't huge. Like I wasn't sexually abused. I thank God. I'm so grateful. Like I really had healthy relationships with men and like with, you know, when I was young and just like learning and connecting with boys and stuff all like healthy and normal. But when I just naturally was growing up and organically, you know, learning and growing, I was like started to internalize so much and feel ashamed of my body and then got really into performance of like, if I'm going to have sex, I need to do it right. I need to do it right. I need to do it well. And I need to be good at it and I, because otherwise I'll be rejected. And I had a big fear of being rejected. And I don't know where that specifically came from. I just like developed it and I think it's a common one. And then I d- manifested that over and over again where I would feel rejected by men and then make it about in my mind. I'd make it about me, my body, my sex, my skills. They weren't saying that, but I would make that up in my own mind. Yeah. Wow. So we didn't even get to the intimacy coaching part, but I just wanted to give you like the background. Yeah. I did not know I was going to do this. No, I had a corporate job. I did not think I was going to do this, but I got desperate enough 
I got desperate enough in my personal life because my really I have been into personal development for my whole life basically, and I had a beautiful life. I lived in New York City. I had a corporate job. I had beautiful friendships, but my love life was such shit, and I was so dissatisfied with men and really critical of men because it was a mirror of like where I was critical of myself and felt insecure and not good enough, and then I kept like creating situations with men that I feel rejected and then it would reinforce my narrative in my mind. And I got desperate enough in my love life and sex life that I was willing to dive into this kind of healing work around relationships and intimacy that then I naturally was like, okay, I need to teach this. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there was a lot there that we can unpack. Yeah. No, both. <laughs> first of all, paranoia. First of all, the I'm actually very glad that you didn't say that there was like this like one significant moment that led to that, to you kind of shutting that down because you're absolutely right. For it to happen, for most women to feel this way, it kind of has to be this like subtle umbrella over society, you know? And of course there's degrees to it and where like a significant thing could be that thing, but it doesn't have to be there. You can just simply be born into the world and it's just there. And all these subtle things just creep in. All the messages and all the things that we start to pick up on the programming from our culture and media, it's just we internalize yeah. it. And that can be – anyone can experience that. Yeah. And I see it all the time. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a huge overt trauma. It can be very subtle little things that we just pick up mm -hmm. and believe. Mm -hmm. And I think as a – both trying to remember and forget my teenage days right now. <laughs> right. But as I remember it right now, like I think – you know, of course, kids don't really understand the impact that their words have on people. And sometimes even when they do, I mean, kids can just be fucking... Oh, my God. Savages. Yeah. Kids are assholes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, especially now, I think. I really... It's gotten so much worse. <laughs> and it was bad when we were young. When I was young, I was like, yes. Yeah. And, like, girls are bitches. Boys are assholes. Like, And I say that, like, playfully because also there are many that are amazing and loving and sweet. But, like... But I think they it's a way that they have to cope because there's a lot of like, oh my God, especially with social media now and everyone's on TikTok and there's so much competition and expectations and they care so much about what they look like and it's easy to bully, it's so much easier to bully now. Yeah. And oh my God, it's they have a whole new set of things that kids have to deal with now. And I really feel for them. Yeah. Can't imagine being like 10 or 11 and just having the whole world in my hands, you know, seriously. on their phone, because it's just, first of all, any human being with the phone, even the smartest of us, it's like giving a monkey this like extremely sophisticated piece of technology. And of course, like people are, you know, sometimes ask like, man, like, well, how did we like get here in terms of social media and this and that? I think it makes sense that human nature would first use this incredible thing like to indulge in probably the worst aspects of ourselves before we like find some middle ground of like entertainment and both information and shit but like unfortunately you have we all have to suffer the consequences of like the new toys that are introduced in our generation you know like it's crazy i mean we were both born into a world where cigarettes it was established that cigarettes caused cancer. Right. Like the fact that there were people born into a world where like they were told it was healthy, right. that's crazy. So, you know, not to get too far off topic, but there's, there's so much that we're going to learn about what we've all been 
consuming, especially in the last 10 to 15 years, especially on the topic of sex. And I'm sure you you get into this with maybe some of your clients, but like in, in terms of like how pornography has impacted just like how we view shit, just how we view bodies on a fundamental level, not even just sex, like just, yes, it fucks up everything. It fucks up everything yeah. and our perceptions of what's real and expectations. Yeah. Because it's like you, if you're just watching porn, you're expecting women who have who are tiny with huge breasts and like labia that have been, you know, surgically made smaller and then men with like monster cocks. It's like, and that's it. Those are the options. And it's like, why? We're not working with reality here and all of the beautiful different types of bodies that exist. And then we internalize it and then hate our bodies. And then we externalize the projections and expectations where we then can't accept and love and appreciate other people's bodies as much because we have these images of what it needs to look like and what's attractive. Yeah. It really messes with us. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of stuff that again i it's just so much stuff that as a you know of course young men young boys like have their insecurities but it's not in the way where like something i did not have to experience is like this like shame for wanting as many women female partners as i possibly want yep no, that's celebrated. Yeah, that's exactly. Celebrated. Exactly. You're, you're pat on the back for that. Right? Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, and, and you get to brag about it. It's like for sure. You know, it's cra- you know what's crazy is when, and it still happens to this day, mm. when I will meet a guy who actually thinks, and like when they say, like you see on their face that like they really just like Albert Einstein the fuck out of you, but they'll be like, yeah, you know, fuck, 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 what's the saying? I don't want to fuck it up. It's like, it's the thing about like the key in the door. It's like one key can open a bunch of doors, but oh. like the door can only be opened by like, have you, have you heard that? No. Not Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, no. So, cause some people be like, well, how come when a, when a woman is wants to like sleep with a bunch of people, she's called slut or this and like a legitimate response just because it kind of sounds witty is like, well, you know, a, a door can only be opened by one key, but a key can unlock like many doors. And it's just like, well, why are you even thinking of like humans in this? Like, cause it, it just totally removes the human experience, the emotional aspect of it all. And the fact that like this person, like we're not even discussing like the fact that like, well, we're hardwired to feel this stuff. Yeah. So like, where is the shame from just like, what I literally just, what you actually just are. It's like, okay, you want this. I can't imagine what it's like to deal with that, man. I just, I think now where, like what I'm really interested in, in terms of like your work with your clients, what is like the average age do you think where like maybe most women have, might have this realization of like, damn, I gotta like recalibrate my understanding of sex. Is it, Women of all ages or? It's women of all ages. And I I mean, we work with women mostly between like 25 and 45, but we have, you know, younger than that and older than that. But it's interesting because, I mean, women of all ages come to this realization. We've got women in their 50s, 60s, 70s. My mom's 69. She's in our courses. She loves them. Who are like, what the fuck? What? You know what? I actually, oh, I don't have my phone. It's over there. But I wanted to read something because it's so good. Ellie and I run it, uh, hold a big event every year. We just had it yeah. this weekend. Yeah, the Desire on Fire experience. And um, we had about 250 women there. It was amazing. And a woman who came to the event virtually, it was hybrid. So it was half in person, half virtual. And she came virtually. And after she she was messaging me and, and was like, I'm fucking pissed. Like, I am 
so mad that I didn't know this stuff. I'm so mad that they don't teach this in school. I'm so mad that I've been hating men and hating women and distancing myself from people and not trusting people and not able to let people in and not having been taught any of this and like the cost that it's had on me and my life. And like, it was such a beautiful, like I loved the message, even though I I, I'm like, it's a rude awakening. I get it. Like, it, it, of course it brings up anger because it's like, why aren't we taught this stuff? And, and that's why I'm so passionate about teaching it. But she's, for example, like in her 30s. It can happen at any time. And it honestly it often requires a woman to be in enough pain. Hmm. That's the unfortunate thing. I mean, I, I like the saying you either – you come to transformational work from either inspiration or desperation. Yeah. And I find with the sexual work – it tends to be from desperation, right? Just because there is so much shame and secrecy and hiding and suppression wrapped up in it that people tend not to just, ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna explore my sexual shame and like do some sexual healing out of inspiration. It rarely happens. It's out of desperation a lot of the time, unfortunately, because I wish more women were just like, yeah, sounds fun. Let's go for it. But like, it's unfortunately not because they have to wait till they're in enough pain in their relationships, you know, in their sex life, maybe in a sexless marriage or enduring sex for enough years that they're finally like, okay, I'm willing to look at this. Yeah. Wow. And I bet, unfortunately, that a lot of women probably first go the route of like figuring out specifically like maybe getting like counsel like couple counseling and where like it makes sense why you would do that but it's still so much of that still revolves around like this specific guy and what you need to do to like make this specific thing work you know so I, I, i say that because i imagine that it's absolutely necessary to simply evaluate like on your own like what you're about and just what you want in a situation and to like just know what to look for and whether through your own experiences or women that have, have, you know, come to your events, I imagine I'm so interested to know what the feedback has been from their male partners on maybe the first time communicating some of this stuff. And the pessimist in me imagines that like, it's not all good. It's probably not. It's not good at all. It's a full range. Okay. Okay. Well, and it depends because it also depends like what the woman's getting, how she communicates it. (laughs) If she's a little like kind of like clumsy or messy with it, which is fine. We're like, be messy. Like this isn't about getting things right. It's about just being real for sure because our work is all about like getting to the deeper thing. You know, my work is all about desire. So it's about getting to your real desires, getting to – what's in the way of your desires, getting to your shame, getting the layers of shame or secrecy or avoidance or fear out of the way to follow your truth. It's a full range. Some men respond to that as a woman's waking up, waking up her pleasure, waking up her power, and she's communicating things more and she's asking for what she wants more and she's all this like, some men are like, oh my God, this is a dream come true. Yes, tell me more of what you want. This is amazing. And then other men, you know, have reactions where they're like, why are you wanting all of this? And why are you, you know, why are you communicating differently now? And like, why are you wanting to do all of this? Well, these courses and what are you talking about in those courses? Are you talking about me in those courses? And then like, they're kind of like privacy stuff can come up and all of that. Very understandable, but it it depends. And a big part of our work actually, and you probably don't know this because you've just, you know, been introduced a bit to, to me, 
a big element of our work is having women examine how they are emasculating, how they are oh, yeah, yeah. cutting men's balls off yeah. energetically, unintentionally, and unconsciously. I'm sorry, I don't I don't mean to cut you no, off. Please. I just it's because you actually said that in the episode where you were, you know, reflecting on your relationship. Cause I, I really as a man, I I really appreciated like hearing you say that you would like take a step back and be like, you know what? And like I, I realized that I was thinking about like how I wanted this to be and, and that you wanted to create a space where you say your piece, but that you still it's still clear to him that you're trying to figure out like how does this work and for us? Yeah. yeah. And exactly. I and, and I can imagine, like you just said, like the, the lady that, you know, maybe like called you and was like, she's like, Man, I'm furious that I didn't know know this. I can imagine that the misplaced anger, or it's not misplaced yet, but that anger can then be misplaced into like you might unfortunately just beam it at the guy that you're with. Yeah. And hopefully that guy is emotionally intelligent to like understand that this person might have just had major realizations and, and like, are gonna come up. Yeah. yeah, but that, I don't think that's as common. I mean, it can, right? Because when you're going through any kind of transformational initiation, if you will, right, I call it things in life initiations. It's like, oh God, this was a big initiation for me. Like going through all this, like my relationship that the episode that you listened to on my podcast. And that was a three month situation ship that I was in. And it was still an initiation for me, right? It was still a big thing. And I learned a lot and I saw a lot and I healed a lot because I think all my relationships are initiations into the next iteration of me and my maturity in relationship. But I don't think it's, sometimes it can be direct misdirected towards the person's partner for sure. And part of also what we teach is learning how to take responsibility for yourself and your reactions and clean things up hmm. so that you're not just making messes everywhere. Cause that can happen when, especially when you're kind of like getting your sea legs around expressing desires. It's like, oh, I'm a little clumsy at this. Like, I don't really know. And then maybe you're a little entitled or you act, you're maybe a little bit demanding and like those don't feel good. But it's like, it's okay. You're practicing. But then you got to be able to go back and clean it up. If you've been an asshole, you have to be able to go back and be like, hey, that was entitled of me. I'm sorry. Oh, I was being really demanding because that felt vulnerable. And I tipped into demanding because it felt I felt so exposed. I'm so sorry. And be, not going into shame, but like ownership. Like, hey, that wasn't cool. I'm sorry about that. Hey, I want to clean that up with you. Yeah. And that is a vulnerable and important practice because if we're just communicating shit – and transforming over here, and we can't own when there's an impact, you can create damage. And that's with anything in life. If you can't actually clean up when you've had an impact on somebody, like, you know, that's a bit hurtful or whatever, if, you, if you're if you not able to clean that up with them, you can create, you know, wreckage everywhere. It's a big part of our work. Man. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of like Relevant the- Relevant everywhere. Yeah. No, because it's- Okay. I got to admit, like a lot of the- you might be the first person in the, for lack of probably better words, the female empowerment sector that I've really ever heard like speak about accountability. And I say that not as like, a, you know, as a man, it's kind of like, oh, thank God someone said that, but more so that because it can be very hard to explain to a person, anybody, man or woman, how accountability it's not self-blame, it's for you. It's for you to finally get past this issue that you keep fucking like running into. And that, so it's not like we're not owning it to just be like, oh, you're a bad person, but more so like, 
No, we get free. Yeah. We actually get free yeah. when we can own things, when yeah. we can be accountable for ourselves and our exactly. Energy. 100%. And that is a big, it is kind of rare in this space because, and this is why Ellie and I are so committed to bringing in this conversation inside of this female empowerment work or whatever you want to call it, because what can happen very easily is as women are getting empowered, they can become righteous, mm. righteous, entitled, yeah. demanding, yeah. right? It's not sexy. It's not sexy. And listen, we got to kind of go there. Like, it's okay, right? We got to like swing to the side of the pendulum, right? And that's normal. It's part of it. And we see it all the time. It's like our women are learning how to ask for their desires in our programs and they can they become a bit demanding with us. And we're like, it's okay. It's part of the process. Like we're learning, right? But if they stay on that side of the pendulum, it can ruin relationships. If you stay in entitled, demanding, expectant energy, okay, boner killer, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, going to completely deflect connection, you know, like, is it deflect? What's the word? Like, repel, right? Repel connection. And men don't like that. Men don't like entitled as far as I have experienced, like when I go into my own entitlement and my own like righteous expectations, it's like men aren't like, yeah, baby, that feels so good. They're <laughs> like, they either, what I notice is they either go into defense, kind of like fuck you energy, yeah. or the opposite because they don't want to deal with it, yeah. acquiesce, doormat. Okay, fine, baby. Yeah, I'll do that. And it's like, that's not hot. Yeah. He doesn't like himself that way. Yeah. And the woman actually isn't turned on by it either, but she's creating it. And this is like not stuff that a lot of teachers are talking about because we're so about like women being empowered and like knowing what they want and owning what they want and going for it. And that is what I teach. And at the same time, it's so nuanced because if you tip into that entitled energy, that expectation, mm -hmm. that demanding energy, it is a slippery slope to resentment. Yeah. This connection and having a partner who's a doormat. Yeah. It's tough because I, I feel like, unfortunately, sometimes when we when we want to pick up one thing, we pick up other things with that thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it can be tough to check yourself to be like, all right, I'm going to work on just being more proud of myself and more open with myself. But like, I don't want to pick up like I don't want this coming from a place where it's because like I'm like bitter from this past thing right. or whatever, because it, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's got a reaction. Yeah, that's all reaction. From yeah. The past, yeah. Right? And you see that, too, where people are like getting like they're like, oh, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm so proud of myself. But is it from a place of valid that needing validation, needing to prove themselves? Needing, and it's like all actually from wounds from the past. This is why it's so important in this work and the work that I do, it is deep, deep work. It is trauma healing. It is going into your past, excavating your past family, friends, siblings, partners, like deeply excavating your wounds, your emotional wounds. Because if you do not do that work, your emotional wounds run your life. They run your relationships as an adult. And so people like look at sometimes like see our work and they're like, oh my God, fun, pleasure, desire, yay. And it's like that is the surface. Yeah. That is scratching the surface of the deep work that we do. I, I'm, I am so glad that you said that because as you were talking about this, I was like, man, there's unfortunately, there's probably a lot of room in your line of work to do this 
in a way where you're selling that you're attempting to help people, but it's really just like this fucking party. And like everyone's <laughs> just like ha having a bunch of fun. And in, in a way, on a smaller level, I, I try to like think about my own experiences of I'm usually the friend that will pull a friend aside mm -hmm. and say the thing that everyone knows but like no one wants no one, to like yeah that no one's willing yeah to yeah and there's there's a risk to that because you don't know how someone will respond when you like let them know that like you see something that they didn't know was visible and yes, that blind spot yeah you You're know out of blind yeah spot. yeah it's so valuable yes that's all of my work yeah. it's like revealing putting a spotlight yeah. on the blind spot yeah. that might be a little sensitive it might be sensitive to look at but like you said it's so valuable to mm -hmm. see it's actually in our best interest to see it mm -hmm. but a lot of people aren't willing to say yeah it. And, I, and i just imagine that a lot of people in your position maybe not even on a on this sinister level where they're like oh I, i've like set out to do this you know deceiving thing but maybe even started off with the exact intentions that you have and realize like, damn, like I'd probably make more money and have more clients if like I just told everyone that they were fucking perfect. <laughs> and like, we just like kind of partied and, uh -huh. and in a way, like you, if you set it up in this way where like people have to keep coming back to your shit for them to feel good about themselves. You know what I mean? Like it, are you actually leaving them empowered? Right. If they need you. Right. No. Because that, because the actually doing the work is where you will see, unfortunately, you'll see some people walk away from it, you know, because they'll just be like, well, because you never really know why someone got into that thing. And if they got into it to feel better. Yeah. Or to fix themselves. Yeah. yeah. That's it. It's like if you're coming to any kind of work like this to, because you feel that you're broken and you need to be fixed. Anytime I hear that and any kind of, even if she's not saying it overtly, if I'm talking to a woman, it's like I can sense that. I'm like, this is not what that is. Like you are whole and complete as you are. Yeah. And you got to come to this just wanting something new so, to add some tools to your toolbox. But you are not broken. Yeah. You are not broken. You are whole and complete as you are. And if you want some new tools and practices, we got you and we will support you and we will give those to you and we will like back you in doing this healing work. But we're not here to fix you. And you don't need to be fixed. Yeah, yeah. It's an important frame. It's an important context to come from. Because if you're coming from a context of needing to be fixed, then you are also putting the coach or teacher or whatever you want to call the person in the position of rescuer. Mm -hmm. I'm not rescuing anybody. Yeah. I got to say, like, the – and even just thinking about pop culture, you know, some of the biggest songs, movies of that are based on women that, you know, that are, like, either getting into a relationship or, like, freshly getting out of one and how much of – like within pop culture, like that aggressive, I will show you energy has like really shaped the, I would say, unfortunately, has like completely taken over for the most part, what people think like needs to be done when something doesn't go right yeah. in a relationship that it's now like showing, proving that like, oh, I never needed you. I never. Right. And it's just. It's all covering up fuck. the actual vulnerable. Yeah. Thing. People don't want to show their hurt. I mean, you listen to my podcast episode about my relationship, as I call it. And I was like, I was so sad. I was so sad. I was so sad. I was so angry. And guess what I did? I felt it. I felt it all. I sobbed. I raged into a pillow. I let myself feel how insecure I felt. 
I felt all of it. All of that that you're speaking to, yes, so common in our culture, in music, in in media and everything. It's like, I'm going to show you and I'm better than that and I'm over it and I'm – all of that is a facade. It's all covering up the hurt because guess what? When we feel violated or betrayed or abandoned or broken up with or even if we broke up with another, there's pain there. There's pain there. It's tender. It's painful. No matter if you're a man or a woman, any gender, it is painful. And we don't slow down enough in our culture to actually tune in to how does this feel? How's your heart? That's not popular. There's not a song. The songs aren't like, well, there are some. I mean, like Adele. You know, like, (laughs) and like, there are some, right? That like are speaking to like the nuances of feelings. But like, a lot of it, like you said, is just like very like toughing it out, kind of bulldozing over it. I'll show you and or like revenge kind of messaging or things like that. And it's just like we're not actually talking about the real thing that's going on, which is people's pain and hurt and feeling abandoned. All again, childhood wounds, all childhood wounds. And those are running our relationships and our breakups and our then our new relationships and that people are getting into new relationships just to avoid feeling the pain of the wound that's being touched in this breakup. It's like, okay, on to the next one, over it, moving on, finding a fuck boy, da-da-da, new girlfriend, new boyfriend, whatever. And it's all covering up what needs to be felt, what needs to be felt, what needs to be shared, what needs to be seen. And that's what's so amazing about our work and, and my community that like it's all about like being real, being messy, revealing, being seen in your full experience, full expression, full emotions, and healing from that. We say you need to feel it to heal it. Hmm. Yeah. Feel it. Yeah. We are just in a numbing society. We're numbing on our phones. We're drinking. We're doing drugs. We're numbing with food. We're numbing with shopping. We're numbing with everything. Numb, 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 numb. And so then we don't heal. We're just numbing over, 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 piling on top of all the stuff that wants to be felt and wants to be healed so that we can relate with people actually like from today and now, not from our past wounding. Something that's gone through my mind just the whole time I've been talking, just kind of the contradictions that I have seen in, you know, pop culture and in social media where like a lot of times you'll see something where like it's like, okay, everyone agrees that like men are super simple, like they want these things. And then at the same time, there's like a whole, usually the exact same people or but like there's a equal amount of people that are like, man, like, I you know, I, I don't get like how like you know, like, I just don't get what men want. Like, like I did everything I thought I could and he still wasn't happy, blah, blah, blah. So there's this like, well, what is it? Is it, is it that like, they only want these simple things or this? I personally think that the biggest mistake, it actually pisses me off to the point where like, I actually use it to judge a person's like fundamental intelligence. Mm -hmm. I think that if I'm going on a date with you and I am saying that like this is what women are this is what women want and i'm like not actually dealing with you that does not make sense to me it just it just doesn't it's not because it's not even about trauma it's not even about like oh like you know reminding yourself that the try it's more so the literal logical fact that you're not that person right well you know to me absolutely and i think for me the biggest flaw in relationships that I see is that people aren't talking to each other. They're not actually sharing 
what is true and alive for them, it's like you're speaking to. It's like they're talking to their idea of who this person is or who men are to them based on their past, right? It's like I'm talking to you as all of the men I've ever known or who have rejected me or who have abandoned me. And then it's like speaking to that, okay, that's not going to go well. Or you're speaking to and saying the things you think that the person wants to hear, trying to impress them. Like people aren't saying the actual thing. And so um, my business partner always shares this story when she's talking about her husband. She's married. She has a, a new baby. And she shared about like on her first date with him, she was really practicing the tools that we teach. And she was like, okay, I'm not going to try to picture my furniture in his apartment. Not going to be checking the list to see if he's my husband. I'm just going to go and be vulnerable. That's it. Not all the rest of it. And so they just talked. They were vulnerable. And when the check came, they both – she, I think she said it. She's like, I never know what to do when the check comes because I feel like I should offer to pay because that's polite and I'm a feminist. So I should, you know. So then, and then she's like, but I actually kind of want you to pay because it feels nice to be treated. But then I don't want to seem expectant. And so she just said it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Perfect example, right? She just, we say, named it. You name it. It's like, name the thing that's there, acknowledge the thing that's there, right? This is just an example, but it's simple, but it's so perfect because people don't do that. So then instead, it's like awkward when the check comes or the man takes it because he thinks that he needs to or a woman gets her wallet out because she wants to offer or she wants to look a certain way or she doesn't want to seem like she's greedy or like selfish. So, right, and all this shit is going on under the surface instead of just like, hey, I'd like to treat you. How's that feel? Or... I would love to be treated by you or are like would you like would you like to split this? How are you feeling about this? I kind of always feel awkward like just talking about it. And that the check is an example, right? It could be anything. But we just don't say the deeper thing to each other. And so then we're just talking at each other's kind of personas and facades and stuff instead of getting to the deeper thing. And so it's also to your point where you're like, we make all these kind of generalizations about men and women and like assumptions about men and women. I agree. And sometimes those can be helpful just from a learning perspective. Like I've learned a lot about understanding men like generally, and I understand it's not all men, but like that's been helpful for me to see the differences between men men and women and just seeing that we're not the same. And that's been helpful for me. But I agree we can't make generalizations. All men are, all women are, all non- gender nonconforming people are. No, we can't. It's too complex. Yeah. But sharing our true, lived, vulnerable experience yeah. is how we bypass all of that, yeah. right? It's like we actually get to the real thing, and that is where real connection lies. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping that when you were sharing your story with your about your business partner, I was hoping that you were going to say that she just said that like she communicated the in real time thought process of oh i i don't really i'm not really sure what to do in this situation because i think you always just gotta like ask yourself well like what do i think would be awkward if well you also have to know yourself well enough to know if you're like a reasonable person but you know in that situation to me it would be like well i would rather have someone admit that they don't know what to do when like the check is about to come in 30 seconds than to just like be like, oh, well, here's like the world as it is. Like either, you know, you're going to pay or I'm going to pay or whatever. Right, assumptions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and 
I mean, shit, that was the first thing that we were saying. I I don't know what it is. I'm sure like therapists and other people probably have some term for it, but it's the, it's exposing, there's something about exposing your thought process in real time that's just really hard for people. And profound spiritual practice, in my opinion. Like it is not easy. Yeah. This is like pretty much the basis of all of my work. And people pay me a lot of money to support them in that. It's not easy and we need support around it. It's terrifying. I call it like, for me, the sensation is like you're standing on the edge of a cliff. Like that's how it often feels when it's a vulnerable one. It may or may not be with the check for some people. That might not be as vulnerable. But acknowledging these things, talking about these things, expressing desires, fucking terrifying. It's vulnerable. You might fall on your face. The person might flat out reject you. It's scary. We need support around it. In my experience, I do. In my work. One of my teachers calls it the second conversation. That's because you're like a name for it, right? This is just one name for it. And I, I love, I love this kind of languaging. So the first conversation is what we're saying, right? It's like, oh, would you like me to pay? Like, oh, let me get my card. It's like the surface. It's the first conversation. It's the things we say. It's like, oh, how are you today? Right? Second conversation is the thing underneath that. So for example, the check, it's like, I feel kind of awkward. I kind of want you to pay for me because I think that would feel really nice. But I feel kind of ashamed to say that because I have all this conditioning that says that I shouldn't want that. (laughs) Right? Like the second conversation, the thing underneath, which a lot of times we can't even see or hear because we're so tuned out or we do see it and we would never admit it. And like, for example, with the, how are you? It's like, it might be like, oh, how are you doing today is the first conversation. And the second conversation is either something like, I don't really care. I actually just want to know like what you did last night and who you were fucking and like if you like me, you know, like like whatever. I don't know. I'm just giving an example. Or it might be like, I don't really care how you feel because I'm just really tired and don't actually give a shit, but I'm just asking because I feel like that's the thing that I should do to look nice. You know, like whatever it is. But like the deeper thing, the second conversation underneath the first. And a lot of us are just walking around having the first conversation. And then we wonder why we're so malnourished in connection because we can't deeply connect on the first conversation level, right? We have to be revealing the deeper thing. Man, I I think you're saying something that's really important just because like, like there's so many like layers that you can unpack in this. Second conversation, third conversation, fourth conversation. Like for real. And because like a big part of it to me, I think is just how the person sees life like fundamentally in the sense that like like for me I think like I it's a priority for me to like deeply connect with people mm-hmm. because in terms of how I see life and trying to like remember that we have this one life to live I personally feel like if I'm trying to like play somebody or if I'm trying to just whatever like I, I know I'm doing somewhere I'm not doing right by somebody I'm actually hurting myself because I'm cheating myself out of the potential of having something real. Yes. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, and that's why I say like, there's so many layers to it because how does that person even see, like, does that person even understand how much of a blessing it is that like, we're alive right now. We have this opportunity to have a conversation where we can like connect on a deeper level. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, damn, like, do we you skip yeah. out on that opportunity all the time? We don't live that way. We don't live that way. That like, this is precious. This time to connect is precious. Let's make it real. And it it actually brings me to something that you, that we started the conversation with, that you were bringing up 
as it relates to my work, which is like when you actually prioritize yourself, it benefits everybody. And this is a big thing in life and in bed, (laughs) right? And like I teach women how to be in sex for their own pleasure because when you're in a sexual experience for your own pleasure, if you're giving head for your own pleasure, if you're sucking cock for your own pleasure, you are worshiping that beautiful cock for your own pleasure, he will love it. Yeah. Right? Yes. And we don't do that. That's not what we're taught. We see it on on porn and we learn it and it like from friends and whatever. And it's like, make it so good. Best blowjob he's ever had. And it's like, it's always about him, him, him. And listen, I'm not saying don't make it good for him. Yes, make it good for him. But in you can actually do that by making it good for you. Because when we're enjoying something, everyone benefits. Isn't that true in life? When we feel good, everyone benefits, right? Same thing in bed. And this comes back to saying the real thing, following what we need to share, what's alive and true for us, what our desires are, benefits everybody. But we forget that. We do everything for everybody else. What should I say that they would want me to say? What should I do that they would like, that they would like me? How should I be in bed that would make me a good lover? It's always thinking about everybody else instead of what can I do that would be, have me feel self-expressed? What can I do that would have me feel in my pleasure? What can I do that would have me feel alive and turned on? Oh, I'm going to trust that that will benefit everybody. Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah, you know, let the shit, let, let's get into that because in, in terms of like sex specifically, yeah. I actually share an experience I had in the last year. I promise this is like not to, you know, I've got my own toxic bullshit going off, so, but I like, can't wait to hear. so like in the last two years, I like had to like, kind of like ask myself why I, I like usually tend to gravitate towards like older women. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, so like, you know, why? And I'm sure there's good reasons and maybe not good reasons, mm-hmm. but all reasons are valid. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know, it's so not a problem. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I won't start there. So wait, there's one thing I actually want to say about that mm-hmm. even before, because I want to even just that. It's like your own self-analysis of it is so representative of how we are in our culture. Instead of examining ourselves and our patterns with an attitude of approval, which we practice in our community, in my community at Desire on Fire, we analyze ourselves from criticism. Like, why do I like this? Why do I want this? And we often can go into shame or criticism or hiding or secrecy rather than you're like, oh, like, I'm like, oh, cool. You're into older women. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, we can explore that. Could be from just genuine desire and interest and like just a fun turn on. Could be from a trauma. Could be from a wound. Who cares? We get to, if we want, we can examine all of that. And there's no problem because none of it's a problem. And that's what I always have to like bring people back to, especially when they're examining their desires, because we can so easily analyze it and criticize it and come into any kind of shame. When I'm just like, Let's just bring approval to it. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. You've noticed that you're into older women. Okay, tell me more. Yeah, no, no. So, I mean, it, it's like, I think it comes from a, like, a, it's probably a mix of everything. Trauma, actual desire. But I also, gone, like, I started school early. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I skipped a grade. So then, like, I was younger than everyone else. And then I skipped another grade. And then I was, like, two or three years younger than everyone else for, for a while. So I think, like, all the girls that, like, so, like, from a young age, all the girls that were in my class were at least two or three years older than me anyway. So I'm 25 right now. Okay. And so, like, I I was with a girl that was also 
25 my age and because I'm not I don't I'm not like exclusively into older women but it's more so that like I've just always done better yeah. with older women because I'm a talker and it's like well, yeah like, let's fucking communicate this, yeah you know but yeah it's great but like anyway I, I say that because I then realized like a big part of it like in my experience with younger women I was like man like something that I gotta be honest like it, it almost it like frustrated me because I remember I, like I would I would ask her a lot like, hey, so like, what are you into? Like, what what do you like in bed? Like, what? Because you you always ask me, and I want to like, I want to ask you the same thing. Yeah. And she you know she'd be like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Just like tell me what you like. And I, and then I, I like you know I began to realize that she never really answered that question for herself. And then also like learning of her past relationships that she was with guys that like I mean I guess basically just like instructed her on like a abusive mm. level. And in that experience, I like, I just realized like why I brought up age was because I realized that like there's something that seems to happen to a good thing. Well, women like are usually around like maybe 30 where like they, it's not that other people's opinion doesn't matter anymore. It's that like other people's opinions are no longer like the core mm -hmm. of what they think of themselves. And it might not have been even been through like this, uh, deliberate healing process but just over time, over time yeah like maybe you yeah. you just can't even bear the weight of other people's opinion anymore and it's you just drop it just because like you just can't live like that anymore but but i've always found that attractive in older women because there's something about to me at least about the reassurance mm -hmm. that almost it almost frustrates me because I, I consciously i know that I, I need to be patient with this person and that this is obviously like a soft spot for them. So it's a vulnerable thing. But like- but I would challenge you on this because I don't think it's an age thing. I think you just like to be with women who know what they want. Right. And that tends to and, be and older. For, and I hear that. I totally hear that. And that you're, in your experience, it's been older women. And that's great. I'm like, that's beautiful that you just want that. And you tend to notice that and feel that in women who are older. That makes sense. Yeah, no, because I, I actually, I would prefer to- I would actually prefer that my opinion on whatever the, whoever this person is or what they're doing is like much, much, much smaller. I actually don't want like my thoughts to be such a big part of like their decision making more so. You know, no, 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 just just in general, just in general in that like like I don't want it to be like where it's like, oh, well, like I don't want to find out like you know, however many dates in that like, oh, like you actually don't like this thing. You just said you did because I said I did. Like, I, like you know, so I try, but it's hard to, cause like we've said, it's the environment in the way that like, whether, you know, we've been, how we've been shaped by past relationships and everything. It's, it's really, I try to be patient because I know that it's such a hard thing for somebody for the first time to be like, Hey, this is what I like. But at the same time, man, it's just, I think with age comes that it's and I, I just see that in women a lot yeah. and where like with younger women there's at least in my experience there's like a lot of like reassurance that you have to give yeah you know? I couldn't I can't do that I, I <laughs> and I think it honestly is something that you just know that you like yeah. and want yeah. and you can claim that like you can just have that <laughs> like it might not be that those women are a match for you age or not, like whatever, whatever it is, it's like, for me, what I hear is that you desire to be in relationship with a woman or in relating, relating with women who 
know what they want and are able to communicate it. And maybe not perfectly, of course, but like actually are, are there, whether it's because of age or because of their growth work or wh- however they got there, that they are able to do that. And that's important too. That's something that you value. That's something that I deeply value too. I could not be with a man who I have to be sort of like coddling him or like, that's okay. No worries. Let me know. I can't. And so it's great if you have that patience. But like also if you – I think this is important for men and women to be clear about. It's just like actually being clear about what you want and what you resonate with in terms of communication. And you don't want to be teaching someone. You just don't – I don't. And believe me, I have. I mean obviously. It's it's been easy to fall into that. And I have learned like I am not available to be somebody's teacher. Now, are we naturally teaching our partners things? Of course we learn from each other, yes. But – I wouldn't recommend that people be in a teaching relationship, like that like you're much more evolved in the way that you can speak and share and ask for what you want and communicate your needs and desires. I would invite you to have hold that standard for yourself and and allow yourself to attract that frequency of women. And if women are not able to meet you in that way, just be like, bless and release. Like actually allow yourself to not need to teach somebody and not need to be overly patient that like, you know, waiting months or years, she might just be a better match for somebody else. Now, if you really like the person and or you really love her and, and you really want to be super patient and just be like, it's okay, like take your time. I'm like, send her to me. She can do my courses. She'll learn what she wants. She'll come back and she'll communicate them clearly without entitlement. Yeah. Oh, man. Yo, I, I just might, man. We actually yeah. we actually left on a good term. So I literally might do that. But yeah. Send everybody. Send yeah. all the women. I think, I think every woman deserves to have tools around this. And every man. I mean, I work with women. But, but we all deserve to have tools around this stuff because we aren't taught. We are not fucking taught how to ask for what we want. Yeah. And it's tough, too, because I think from the, from the male perspective, I think a lot of guys can probably relate to this and that like for guys that like actually just want to have a conversation to act like just want to talk i'm glad that i never had that phase where i convinced myself that i had to like turn into some like weird fucking super like control you know some guys take the night the whole like nice guys finish last thing to heart mm-hmm. on like a deep ass mm-hmm. level and it like they go from being like a genuinely nice person yeah. to just being like, oh well, the girl that I wanted like wanted this guy that like is a like, total fucking asshole. Right. So maybe that's what like I need to to be. And like, it's tough in a way that like I think you know this is God. This is this would be so low on like the list of problems like that women deal with. But like from at least from my perspective, it's like man, like you know it, it, we can just like talk about what is going on. And it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be awkward. But, you know, it, te- it tends to. And unfortunately, a lot of time spent, like you can spend a lot of time, like these days, man, I like to get into a, a situation with somebody early on, like some type of situation that shows me what they're like when communication is like absolutely necessary. Because mm-hmm. I've just noticed that you don't really know who you're dealing with until like you absolutely have to communicate this like something something very important yeah vulnerable or if there's conflict or yeah yeah you know but but also you know turning this around though i also as a guy in those moments i try to be aware of the in every way body language my tone i try to be aware of the environment that i'm creating in that conversation because i know that 
they might be coming from a place where maybe they felt intimidated in those situations. Maybe they've been shown aggression by like past male partners. So, but again, I think the only thing that you really can do is you try to like learn from past stuff, but then like take the stuff that is applicable to all human beings, but make sure you're like dealing with this person. Yeah. In front of you. But it's just easier said than done if you haven't looked at all of the stuff that's impacting how you're acting with yeah. the person. Like yeah. you said, it's like past relationships, past experiences, past family trauma, past everything. If we do not have access to looking at all of that, examining all that, healing and releasing that, boy, does it get in the way. Yeah. It's just like holding – it's like I did a course where they showed a, a great example of this where they're like, people can't see me right now. But like it's like – Picking up the, the cup, picking up the water bottle, picking up the mic, picking up the headphones, picking up the chair, all of that, you're holding all of it. Yeah. And you're like, I'm available for a relationship. Yeah. And all your baggage is in the way, yeah. right? As an example, like as all these like physical, tangible things as, as the example. Yeah. But that's what we do. Yeah. And so that's why my work is so important. That's why any kind of inner healing transformational work, introspective work is so valuable because then we actually get to be in relationship with the person who's in front of us and not all of our stories and all of our trauma and all of our internalized coping mechanisms and all the things that we carry with us until we heal heal them. Yeah. I think you're doing something that is extremely positive and necessary, you know, and which, you know, by the way, like one of the hardest things to do in the world is to find a way to make money that like isn't hurting people. Uh (laughs) So applause to you in that, like you're able to help people and live your dream. And I think, you know, something I don't want to forget on the relationship aspect, you know, I, I think like, like a few tenants that like, I try to like, just live by is that You actually, I think everything has to come from a place of like actually wanting to give something to someone else and actually like build a partnership. For the most part, I think if you go into something actually wanting to like build something and and, because you know it's real when you're so excited to like give part of yourself or give yourself to somebody like you're not you're no longer making the list of like here's what i need this and that but like you're like maybe you found that person like man i'm just so excited to like give that you know what i mean and i think your work it gives people the tools because there's no one grand conversation that then it's like all right let's have it and then everything's going to be fine no certainly not (laughs) i think what you do like it's not just in people's sex life like you're giving people just a good communication skills in general and it's like those there's these like little if you could see like a relationship on a chart and it showed like the tension it it probably you know with 10 being the worst it's probably going like up and down hopefully like between like one and three and then maybe one and four and then one and it's dealing with those little uphill like you know rises in tension to prevent the 10 or to prevent like the like the fucking crazy ups and downs and having those skills to just deal with it on a daily basis but it's tough though it's tough because it's men or women it's very hard to find people that understand why the small stuff needs to be 
fuck like it's very hard addressed and dealt with absolutely yeah Yeah, it's all of those subtle things and nuanced things the small things are it's it when we blow up it's because of all the little things it's all the unaddressed unacknowledged little things in our relationships that built up resentment that built up anger (laughs) dissatisfaction frustration disappointment hurt that going unacknowledged and unnamed and is it that's when we blow up that's when we hit the 10 it's like we got to acknowledge all the little things and not all of them but like not necessarily with each other but this is also why having community is so important having coaches and mentors is doing this work being able to say oh this thing came up oh i'm feeling hurt oh i'm feeling angry oh i'm feeling activated and triggered okay and not stepping over it because when we step over that shit it builds up and then it explodes mm-hmm. Yeah. Men or women. Exactly. Yeah. doesn't fucking matter your gender. It That happens to all of us. We can only hold so much. Yeah. And we're all just walking around suppressed, like just suppressing, repressing. I always forget the difference. But like just holding it in, withholding. And that's just going to come out. Yeah. Yeah. I should have asked this earlier because I saw that, you know, part of your the description of what you do is, is helping high achieving women. What do you mean by that? Like specifically? So – definition can be, you know, self, it's up to the, what's the word, what's that saying? The, what's the word when you, when it's based on the beholder? Beholder. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But the reason that we, that I say that and my business partner, Ellie and I put that in our bio is because we tend to attract women like us. So women who want, like are kind of go-getters, right? Go-getters care about achieving in whatever field, in whatever way, right? Like I was a marathoner, working a corporate job, like volunteering on the side, doing all of this shit in New York City. Like that was me before I started this work. It was like all about the achievement and the accolades and like the looking good and having the corporate job and having the career and doing the things and looking, going to the gym and volunteering and looking like a good person, all this shit. And like I'm not against achieving. I love achieving. I'm still an achiever. I don't know if you know about the Enneagram, but like on an Enneagram, I'm a three. I think it's three. And that's an achiever. And so is Ellie, my business partner. I love achieving. It's so fun. But when you're achieving because you need to fill a void, because you need to feel validated, because you need to feel important or loved in order to seek love and validation, it's not going to get you that. So we kind of included that in our description of our work and who we tend to attract because we tend to attract women who are like us, who are in the corporate world or have a business, who are entrepreneurs or go-getters. They they want to make a difference in the world and they feel disconnected from their body. They're living in their head. They feel, you know, overworked, tired, underpaid, and totally unsatisfied in the bedroom. I guess specifically – this type of woman, at least just from what I've seen, I guess, you know, what adds to that is you guys also tend to be in environments where there's aspects of your feminine side where you might be telling yourself like, oh, you know, like to to maybe be taken seriously mm-hmm. by the men in the room or this or that, like to turn certain stuff off that is just literally a natural part of who you 100%. are, you know, and so, part of our superpowers. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly it. We And we tend to fall into masculine energy and masculine tendencies because we feel like we need to in order to succeed and in order to be noticed, in order to build, to climb the corporate ladder, all not a problem. I mean, masculine and feminine qualities and characteristics, of course, it's, yes, it is, 
there is the argument that it's completely society constructed. I think that we naturally do have different kinds of qualities that tend to be common across men and women. And so falling into more of like, I need to work hard, push it, force, like go for it, go for the goal, go for like all of these things, amazing things to have access to. But if they're running our life, especially for women, we can get so burnt out, so overworked, so resentful, so drained. And then we're not connected to like, to your point, our natural feminine qualities and essence, which which is like magnetism, where we don't have to force and work extra hard. We can actually open in our mag, turn our magnet on and be receptive and actually magnetize things instead of forcing and efforting and pushing. And this is part of what we teach women is like actually connecting to your innate qualities and your innate essence and allowing that to help you get what you want. Yeah. There's so much stuff that I feel like just kind of naturally that contradicts what I've just always naturally felt because like, I'm not sure if I've ever added a woman to something, whether that's like, I'm going out to hang out with people or work thing. And like, they did not elevate that thing. And it's not just because they're, but it's, they're going to be coming from a place that I'm not, which then will lead to like awesome shit that I'm probably not capable of just like organically fucking thinking. Yeah. Or intuiting. Yeah. So, so, so to me, the thought, like the, anyone who creates an environment where like they would, because I think you have to create that environment for someone to feel like those aspects of themselves is wrong in that room. Mm-hmm. It's so weird to me just because like women have always added. Always. Like every time. So, and also another thing too, like I've also, I know like the stereotype or like the assumption is that like, that men aren't, attracted to like driven women or that it's like a turnoff if a a woman is ambitious that is another thing to me like even as a kid that I was just always like yo like it's not even about men or women why would you not want to be with someone that is passionate about I don't like is the ideal partner somebody that just like depends on you for every single thing Mm -hmm. like you know, it, I don't know. It's weird. If I had to pick one extreme of having this like super submissive partner mm-hmm. dependent yeah. or having someone in where like I'm I'm so clearly second, mm-hmm. I would probably pick the latter mm-hmm. over the form in that like to me, it's I don't think it sounds good in theory, but you don't want to be the center of someone's life mm-hmm. unless you actually have genuine control issues and you like you need to control a person for you to trust them, which I've seen. Mm-hmm. I feel like most, like there's no, I've always been like, nah, you know, I don't think most guys want some woman just kind of laying around, but then I don't know. There's I'm, a lot of layers to this because this is good. There's a lot of layers to this because there's a lot of distinctions here that I want to make because first of all, There's so much gray area between all of that, right? So you're like, okay, there's like the super kind of submissive, dependent, right? That There's that side of the pendulum. Then there's the other side of the pendulum, which is kind of like, I don't really need you. I've got it all figured out myself. I'm super set. I've achieved on my own. But you can be here, (laughs) right? Those are kind of the two extremes. And then there's everything in between. I don't think either is healthy. I think both are a trauma response, (laughs) 
<laughs> I actually think those are both codependent, actually. And people don't think that people have a very limited definition of codependency, but codependency is, yes, being dependent on someone, but it's also the hyper-independence is actually another form of codependency. And it's actually unhealthy attachment relating, like attachment style. What's the word? Attachment. There's another word for it. But it's unhealthy relating, basically. Okay. Or, or like non, I don't like using the word unhealthy because it's judgmental, but like the most fulfilling. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, both aren't the most rewarding ways to be relating. Okay. I'm being, I'm like, what's the politically correct way to say this? Like, whatever. I'm not even generally politically correct all the time. But anyway, so both to me are not the healthiest situations. Okay. To me, it's about finding what turns you on. <laughs> I love surrendering. That's new for me. I have had to work to learn to surrender and submit because my natural way is dominating. Dominating is great in many areas. I'm a boss and I can get shit done. But if I am dominating in all areas of my life, I don't get what I want. I have to be able to surrender. I have to be able to submit and do it willingly and lovingly. That is a needed skill in my life. I've had to develop that skill. So in my view, if we're hyper on either end of that, like fully dependent, fully submissive, fully subservient, or fully independent, fully I don't need a man, fully I don't need anybody else, it's they're both reactions or un unhealthy or whatever you want to call it, responses to and codependent patterns. And actually, there's so much healthy territory in between where you can actually feel into like, do I want to be more surrendered? Ooh, I like that. I do want to be more surrendered. How can I be surrendered and make sure it actually feels good and healthy and that we have like, yeah, a healthy relating style and attachment style? I don't want to be fully dependent on somebody. I don't want it to be that they have 100% control over me. So how can I make sure that I'm taking care of myself? Maybe have a skin in the game financially. Maybe we have certain agreements so that we feel really good and we both feel respected and taken care of, but that I get to be in a more surrendered role. Or and keep my passions and keep my friendships and keep my life and have a really full life. Or I do really like to feel driven and I like to feel passionate and I want to I want my partner to know that they deeply matter, that I do deeply need them. Because this like I don't need a man energy, it doesn't have men feel needed. Men actually love in my what I've learned, you could tell me if I'm right. Men appreciate feeling needed. <laughs> they appreciate feeling wanted and needed. If you're just like I don't need you. By the way, I don't need you. It's like Okay, yeah. why am I here? It can feel like that. Even if you can have appreciation for the fact that, yes, you are an independent woman and I can value and appreciate that and respect that, it actually isn't the frequency, the energy that feels good in a relationship. So a woman can be driven, motivated, a badass, a, like turned on boss babe and acknowledge that she wants a partner, that she needs a partner, if you will. No one needs anyone, but like, but actually it's an admission. It's a vulnerable admission to not just say, I want a partner, but like, you know, I need a partner. I don't want to do this alone. It's vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. So I would invite you to want something in between. Yeah. Like no. A driven woman. Beautiful. If you want that, great. But can she also surrender? Absolutely. Ooh, Absolutely. That is an advanced pose. Yeah. hundred percent agree. And I think to be clear, like what I was saying was that if I had to pick between totally, the two I extremes, but like. And sometimes in our culture, you kind of do. Yeah. And I know that's not what you're saying would be your preference. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I, I think there's something to me that is fundamentally off-putting about always running the, the show. 
I don't know. I just feel like I'm, if I have hired you and you like work for me, then yes, that is, I probably want that dynamic. But even then I would probably still want that person's creative input. Yes. Um, like, you know, it, so even in work, it can, it could be tiring. Even that someone that's under you, you know, by title is like just it never thinks for themselves. Like, I, like why would you ever want to be around someone who never thinks for themselves, you know? But Yeah, it's something that you value. Someone yeah. thinking it for themselves, yeah. contributing their personal experience, perspective. Me too. Yeah, a joke I've always seen on Twitter that I always find funny, like it's people, like every now and then I'll see tweets that are like, some of you like, man, like that first time that you date like a, like a really attractive woman, like really like changes you and it's usually like set in a comedic standpoint but i and i say that because I, I feel like this could be its own podcast episode but there is like as a man there is a whole other level and i'm you know and i probably the same for a man that is considered attractive to a lot of people in society but at, at least from my perspective when dating someone that is like heavily desired like they you know they walk to a room there's probably 10 other guys that are like damn like well like how can i make my move there's a whole like i feel like there's got to be like it's there's a, like its own separate training for like how to date when the person you're dating is like wanted and desired by like a lot of other people all the time that's different and i think it manifests difference differently when it's like you know for women and men yeah. but it's uh maybe i mean shit speaking to a woman right now maybe your own personal experiences just with like with dating but like do you feel like the men that you have been with like do you feel like you get that that you've for the most part have gotten or not gotten that trust of like just like when you're out and about and you're just being yourself yeah that like you can just that they can still trust you like have you gotten that from your well i i'll tell you i don't attract men who can't be with the my bigness <laughs> i don't they kind of know what they're signing up for yeah because they because i'm out i am out about myself. I am out about who I am. I am out about my sexuality. I am out about my desires. Like I am very out in my life about myself, you know? And even before I was in the sexuality space, I've always been very self-expressed. And so I just haven't attracted men who are like hyper insecure or, or like triggered or threatened by my like bigness and flirtatiousness or, but I also am very, here's a word I want to say. Let me find it. I'm not sexually leaky. So I am very, my sexual energy is very honed. Um, and so I can go out and I can connect without leaking my sexual energy onto people. This could be a whole other podcast, but there are people who kind of like spray their sexual energy all over everybody they kind of like leak it everywhere and it often is from a place of wanting validation or like, yeah, like wanting to be liked, wanting to be validated, wanting to be loved. And I don't have that need or it doesn't come out that way for me. So I'm just like energetically clean and my partners can feel that. So it's not threatening. Yeah. Like I can really relate with men and connect and like love men and like all that without pulling on them sexually or allowing myself to be pulled. Like I just don't take it. I'm just like, 
no thanks. You know, like I just am not pulled by or hooked by another man's sexual energy. I think that's somewhat just kind of how I am, but also practiced. And like I, I'm very like connected to my own sexual energy and intentional with it. So men don't tend to be threatened by it. I've had a partner who is like, who would have stuff come up, but like that was literally because I do like sexuality practices. If I was like having like orgasmic energy experiences with other men, like, yeah, he would have triggers come up, but like, that's normal. You know, like I would expect that. And then we would get to talk about it. Like that's a whole other conversation. Cause I've done, I like have so many practices that I do and like have bit, go to so many trainings and do lots of retreats and like I'm a practitioner. Like my work is all about practice, practicing relationships, practicing in sex. So like I've had things come up for partners, but I'm always very upfront about what I'm doing, boundaries, what our agreements are. And I'm very clean with my sexual energy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, and even just speaking to you now, like, I feel like I can, like, like I agree with where you're coming from in the sense that like, I feel like anything that a guy would be thinking that they're feeling from you is probably more so like projecting, you know, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like that, the, and I've seen the men and women where like part of that validation of just like wanting to maybe be liked in this interaction or whatever like that, they add their sexuality to yeah. that just as a, another way to connect. And, and thinking that maybe thinking that they need to, yeah. like some people, that is how they know to connect, right? Like yeah. to your point, it's like, that's what they think is attractive. That's what they think makes them valuable. And maybe, but not necessarily, you know, we can connect in so many other ways and to see ourselves as valuable without that. And we don't need to rely on our sexual energy to connect and to feel seen and, and yeah. Loved. Yeah. I just want to be respectful of your time, but I'm curious, like as to in, you know, with your clients and even in your own personal experiences, what maybe like some of the like, biggest lessons or moments maybe that you have even learned in your own personal life, like maybe consistencies that you've seen in all of your relationships. And like, if there are like 10 fundamental things that you believe it comes down to this stuff in every relationship. And then of course, like that reflective process of like thinking like, man, like well, what went wrong here and this and that, but maybe over the years, like what, what are maybe some like big moments that you've had in that? Gosh, there's just so many places that I could take this. I'm like more like generally, I'm just thinking like people just want to be loved and they want to be heard and they want to be seen and they want to be respected and understood and appreciated. And I think that's like at the root of all issues in our relationships is that. And I guess if I'm making it personal, I'm just thinking about what I've learned, where I've gone sour in the past in my relationships is a lot of things that we've touched on. It's like wanting to maintain dominance, wanting to maintain control or power in order to protect myself, in order to feel safe, comfortable. And how that plays out is I'm controlling. I'm like, do this, do that, don't do this had my man feel emasculated and then ultimately resentful. It creates disconnection and the love, like love is gone, like, right, because there's not a lot of space for love when there's a lot of resentment. And that it can be such a slippery slope. And, and it's subtle. I've always been super loving. I've always been like loving and connected and personable and bubbly. And like, I've always been like that. But it, like, I'm just thinking of an example right now of a moment when my, an ex-partner of mine came home 
And he came home late, and I knew he was going to be home late, to a party we were having, a housewarming party. And he came in, and he'd been coaching all day. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm like, you're finally here. You're later than I thought. Tuck in your shirt. Your hair looks messy. Can you, like, I want you to go meet this person. That, but they're leaving, so can you go say hi? And then we're going to take a picture. And, like, all these things. Okay. And my friend was sitting there, and he walked – my partner walked out of the room, and my friend goes, you just controlled, like, five different things. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even see it. Like, it was so natural. Like, it was so ingrained in me. I was like, I did not. I'm like, fix your shirt. Fix your hair. Go do this. Go do that. We're going to do this. Not like, hi, honey, how was your day? What do you need? What do you want? How are you feeling? What are you up for? How's your energy level? No, certainly not. It was my show, my ideas, my control, what I wanted, what I needed. What I wasn't being considerate of him. This was four years ago. But – well, four years ago we broke up. So this is earlier than that. But it's just an example because it can be so subtle and it can be so insidious all the ways that we are trying to maintain control to protect ourselves and not actually being vulnerable enough to reveal – like I could – if I had been vulnerable with him in that moment, I could have been like, I missed you. I'm sad you're late. I know that you were doing something super valuable and I missed you. Yeah. And now I'm wondering if you have the energy and the space to connect with some people that are here. That would feel so good to me. And I want you to be part of the group photo. Are you open to that? Yeah. Wow. Totally different conversation. Yeah. And that one has respect. It's not respectful when we're trying to control people. It's not. And what I've learned is that one of the most important things for men is to feel respected. You can tell me if that's true, but that's what I've found. It's like to really feel respected, to feel appreciated. And women want to feel seen and heard and loved. And men want that too, believe me. But like this is just what, from my experience and from what I've learned. And like when a man feels really respected and appreciated, like for example, the podcast that you listen to, about me talking about my relationship, I hope that you could feel I was so respectful in that of him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was a breakup I was talking about, right? He listened to that and he messaged me. We had a month of no contact, which was my request just as a, as a boundary to heal. And he asked me the other day and he was like, somebody sent it to me. And I listened to it and I was so, so grateful and so blown away by and not surprised by your level of personal responsibility and integrity and respect. And I so received that and I so felt that. And I loved that he could feel that and that could, he could receive that. And I'm like, that, that right there is a testament to my work because I was not like that. No, I was not like that. I was not like that six years ago. Fuck no. I was not even like that four years ago. I was a lot better, but I was not even like that four years ago. This Work takes time. It takes healing. It takes practice. It takes accountability to your earlier point. And I've needed a lot of that. And that's why I'm so good at supporting women through these types of portals or initiations, as I call them, healing these patterns, noticing these these coping mechanisms and control patterns because it sabotages shit. And when when your partner feels respected and appreciated and needed, ugh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Isn't that important? No, it is. It absolutely is. And I think, you know, at least in my 
you know, experience, at least like, you know, if the first time I ever asked myself the question of like, what's the difference between men and women? Let's say I was like a teenager. I think the overall thing that I've gotten as time has progressed is that um, it's so much similar then it is different. Like everyone wants to be respected. Everyone wants to be cared for. And I think like we get caught up in like what that looks like for men, what that looks like for women. But it's actually, to, at least to me, it's to the point where I think that so much of this is obviously outside of the sex stuff, but like 99% of this is just how you should relate to all people. Just like given respect receives, wanting to hear somebody out. I mean, it should just... You know, if it's coming from a place where it's like, damn, like, you know, hopefully in this one life that I have to live, I have the opportunity to like connect, mm -hmm. you know, it then I just I feel like if it's coming from a place where you really, really, really want to connect, you can work past basically any fault, yeah. you know, sure. and probably I would say that luckily I've never really been this way personally, but like the what I do see a lot is the is a relationship just being like a thing that is that's so fundamental to some people's life that it's the position in people's life where it's like I'm either in a relationship or I'm I'm not but like I need to being in a relationship means that I'm doing something right, right. and I think that type of thinking unfortunately like it's means that there's a chair that's always there and it's either filled or empty but like unfortunately like you're working to fill the chair mm. rather than like actually seeing if you will like stumble upon someone that is right for you you know and what I, mean? I would say i do know what you mean and how i would say it and view it is like you doing the work to become the person who magnetizes a person to get in that other chair who's a match for you. Yeah. Right? Rather than finding them, sourcing them, needing someone in the chair to your point, like that kind of like filling the void, filling the void, getting somebody in that other chair. It's like you doing the inner work to be a match for the person that you want to attract into that chair who's actually at the frequency with which you want to mm -hmm. relate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I definitely know the difference between being – hard-headed and overcritical of people versus like, you know, just, you know, I would say that's one extreme and then the other is just like, you know, needing to be in a relationship and putting aside like maybe faults and red flags that you see just mm -hmm. to fill that, right. you know, position. But like, I have definitely come to, I mean, it was a kind of an easy conclusion to come to and where it's like, damn, like being by yourself is a million times better than being in a shitty situation. Personally, I think the worst pattern that I see is just simply escaping like loneliness, like just trying to avoid being alone at all costs. Mm -hmm. Cause that just means that like you can be dragged by whatever fucking force mm -hmm. comes your way. And again, like that that's a whole intense, other podcast. But intense pattern for people to play out over and over again. But yeah, absolutely see yeah. it all and, the time. And as a man, that like, and, you know, if we play that game, we're probably not running into, like, the range of, like, possibilities in terms of, like, like, I feel like that's a much more costly game for women to play because of the type of men that you could run into versus, like, I, I never, 
I can't remember the last time I felt unsafe mm -hmm. with a woman, like when we were just like alone. Mm -hmm. But like with women, it's like it, that I've seen women be like abused because they're just, they're with someone and they would just rather be with that person than just be alone. Yeah. And, you know, so it's- Super detrimental. Yeah, it's yeah. tough. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, all this being said, it's more so just kind of some, just some like staples I try to remember, of course, like one that like always learning, never have it figured out. But yeah, no, I mean, I, it's just, I think it's refreshing from your perspective that after- one, deeply thinking about your own personal experiences and working with other people, how so much of it for you has come back to accountability and reflection and also making sure that, yeah, you're, of course, we're always telling our side of any story, but like genuinely trying to like fairly look at your own faults and not from a place of like, oh man, you know, and I'm uh, that's why I'm a bad person or this or that. Well, I say I say that I use the the languaging looking at my part versus fault mm. because even that word yeah. is like it's like blamey, yeah. but we always have a part. Yeah. We always have a part in any situation, and so that's what you're pointing to. It's like that's what I practice is like looking at my part, my responsibility in any situation, in any relationship. That's all I can work with. I can't work with your part. That's yours. That's your part. Yeah. I can only work with my part. And that's what I work with women on, their side of the street, their part. Because we can't control other people's part or how they show up or their patterns or their mechanisms or their trauma responses. Or We can't. We can only have... We only have power over ourselves, our own attitudes and actions. And so looking at our part is how we get free. Yeah. That's, woof, man. <laughs> World needs more of you. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> I, I, I love, really respect anybody that understands the importance of kind reflection. Like, I think some people lean way too much on the kindness and are not hard enough on themselves. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we're, we're, you know, we oh, see plenty of overly self. Overly critical. Yeah. Self-flagellating. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I can just tell in speaking to you, you know, today that like you, uh, it's because well, it's something you have to renew in real time every moment. Like you always have to find that balance. You're never just like that all the time. Because I do think no, we gravitate. Yeah. It's a practice. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, man, I just appreciate you being here. Honestly, it's tough for me to like even end this. Just I, you, I, you, I have... If I could, I would, really I'd could. ask you <laughs> a million, because sh this shit, especially from like a woman's brain, it's so like, it's fun for me to just sit back and understand that like, well, that I don't understand mm -hmm. like what you're seeing from your angle. And it's actually helpful as a man to I'm hear glad, this. I'm so glad. Yeah. I agree. And I think that's why we need to be having more of these conversations yeah. and seeing more into the second conversation, seeing more into each other's experiences and trying to understand each other and our differences and our similarities and our desires and our truth. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm all about. Well, dude, I, again, thank you for this. I'd love to have you back on. I'd love to be back. Yeah, I think people are really going to enjoy this conversation. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, I hope people got value from this and weren't too triggered because some of this can be activating stuff. It really can be, but hopefully activating in a good way. Exactly. Hopefully activating for growth. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Man, well, for people listening, like I always say, appreciate you if you made it to the end and just listen to the whole thing. But yeah, this is a song called Life and we're out. Peace. Peace.